This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it's time for Avoid the Maze. And again, Avoid the Maze doesn't mean that we avoid going to places that uh, may not be on our path. In fact, avoiding the maze means trying to learn about it a little bit in advance so that we go in the right direction. And if we don't, that's okay. Let's uh, look around and be mindful of where we are. Uh, I've been talking to a number of writers and coaches that I've met through Podmatch. And today I have Ray LeClaire Jr. Ha, ah, I wonder what senior was like. Uh, and his backdrop says, has the name of his book, Who Are You Really? And I have to tell you, Ray, this is even more important to me than when I linked up with you and invited you on. Um, I have taken a positive intelligence six-week training. And following that for the last five months, we do a weekly review and see how we're going and, you know, what makes sense to us now, how things have changed. And then I started taking um, coaching regarding grief because I felt like I was carrying around a lot of baggage and I'm learning so much about myself that it is incredible that I can take some of the weight that's been on my shoulders and start like pushing it off because I'm becoming mindful of some of the things that maybe I've done or I'm doing that just aren't good for me. And I'm assuming to transfer your life, career, relationships, you must first transform yourself. And I'm the only one who can transform me. Is that correct? Well, that is the truth. Yes. And if I may, would you be kind enough to explain the process that has allowed you to be free of, of some of that weight? Well, I think it's in the guidance in coaching, not telling me who I am, not telling me that, um, well, you shouldn't have been holding on to it for the last 20 years, but letting me start walking the walk. And mm -hmm. the most important one, I think, is through positive intelligence, because I went into it, even though I love the coach, um, and she's a dear friend, uh, I thought I was doing it more for her than me. Right. And I realized the first session, wow, this yeah. is what I need. Yeah. Um, because I've allowed myself to be a victim. I've allowed myself to be a pleaser to the point that I become a victim. And when I was younger, I always talked about the fact about me being a victim. Right. When people stop listening, I just kept trying to please and please until probably 15, 20 years ago when I said, why am I pleasing or trying to please everybody? And probably about 50% of those people that I'm trying to please could care less. Where can I put my energy? Right. And that's what positive intelligence is showing me. Wonderful. And that changes from day to day. Mm -hmm. Indeed. 
And, and, and thank you for, for sharing that. The reason sure. why I ask too, is because it's more than just the coaching. Um, it's more than the internal processing. I'm sure you're doing a lot of journaling. Oh, and yes. A lot of writing. And if I may share with your, re uh, your listeners, that's an important part. In order for us to have more capacity to be able to focus on things, we need to, we need to download some of what's swimming around up there. And that's why it's such an important aspect of what, of what your journey is. And so when we talk about transforming ourselves or transforming yourself, that's part of what that book allows for people to do. It's a quick read. It's a primer, uh, but it allows you to articulate certain areas of your life. And you do that through that reflection, but also through that process of actually writing things out. Um, even in education, there's, there's something to be said about when you're studying or when you are doing an activity, writing it out because you're seeing it, you're saying it, there's, there's a lot of different things going on at the same time. And so it's great to hear that you're doing that because I think that that is uh, an important part in being able to process what we're going through. And you can't be afraid of what you're writing down, what's coming into your head. Um, because last week I started writing and it was like, where's second? Where's this coming from? Why am I like, and I couldn't stop writing. Yeah. You've and, tapped into something. Um, I have my next coaching session tomorrow, but uh, I had talked to her about something else during the day. And I said, just tell me, you know, <laughs> is this typical? Yeah. And she goes, I'm so proud of you because if you weren't feeling this way, right. she said, I, I would think either you're not trying or you just don't want to. And she said, and either one of those is okay if it's your choice. And I'm realizing that I'm seeing things differently. You know, um, interestingly enough, I looked outside where I have daffodils usually that pop up when the weather is a little bit nicer than it has been. Mm -hmm. um, and I see that they're popping up, but they're dying as soon as they pop up. Oh. And my first reaction was total sadness. Right. And then it was, okay, well, daffodils don't last very long. Okay. And I know what's going to come up next and the weather's going to get better. And I had this like positive spin on it that I could sit there and get really depressed over these flowers. Or I could accept it and realize that it was out of my control. Yep. Mother Nature did this this year. Yeah. And think of how we can take that and then apply that to other areas of right. our life as well. And by the way, it really has to do with self um, care. Uh, you know, and uh, a lot of times we've all grown up in a certain situation where uh, if, if you're a caregiver, if you're a parent, if you're a teacher, you're all about doing everything you can for those people around you. 
and you had mentioned it earlier, you begin to realize after a while that, hey, wait a minute, what exactly am I doing? And it becomes even more overwhelming if it's something you're doing at home and at work, right? When are you going right. to be important? And it's not arrogance. It's not selfishness. A lot of us are not taught these things in school. We're not taught boundaries. We're not taught how to recharge. And, and the recharging we're taught sometimes with my students, you know, recharging doesn't mean that I'm, pay, I'm playing four hours of Fortnite at, at yeah. one o'clock in the morning, you know, and that was what they were doing during COVID. So uh, it, it's, it's really about, okay, wait a minute. I realize that uh, I'm going to be tired the next day, or if I fall asleep with the TV on and uh, it happens to be the walking dead, I'm aware that that noise may impact my dreams <laughs> so we it, it's really about that self-care though i mean we're having a little fun with it right now but it really plays an important role in how you approach the day and how we approach life is just as important as how we live it well and i think i know the way i was brought up um we didn't use the word self-care right. um and uh, there were a lot of expectations, not really heavy ones, but there were expectations that uh, when you came home from school, um, no, you weren't going to lie down and take a two hour nap and then get up for dinner and then struggle through your homework because you really didn't want to do it because the nap and dinner and whatever. Um, no, my mother used to tell us like, when you go to bed at night is when you go to bed and we don't take naps during the day. However, um, my father would come home from work and take an hour nap before dinner. Yeah. And so there, there was this confusion, at least in my mind, I'm not allowed to do it. He is, Oh, maybe when I become an adult, I can do that. And I don't really find the time as an adult to take those naps. Right. Well, I, one of the things I used to share with my students is that uh, uh, when I taught in the classroom, my wife and I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. When I was on the East Coast, I taught in the classroom. And uh, a lot of times, once the year really kicked in, I was in bed by about seven o'clock, but I was up at 12 or one. And so my students would, you know, what, what are you doing? Well, the reason why I would do that is because you'd come home and you're so exhausted already from, from the day that to stay up even later to be able to work on things, it's going to take you longer. You're not going to be able to think. Right. Uh, it's going to be difficult. And so this way, I've gotten some rest. And if I get up at 12-1, if I find I'm still a little too tired, I can maybe put in another hour or two but I'm still up early enough where I can do some things before the day begins. But I mean, th that's a, an example of how you tap into what is going to work for you because we can't show up at work the next day or even relationships, a walking zombie or just so distracted or triggered. And well, what is causing that? Well, how are you living your life? And, and I know we're talking in very simplistic terms, but in order to really begin to address that, we really do have to ask that question. Who are you? 
and and by doing that, what we're looking at is how do you approach life in a physical way? For some people, like my wife, she's a runner, um, she's at the gym, so for her, it's always being active. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> she's when COVID hit. It was the hard, we actually had to sit down and talk about a new routine because it, it was just so far removed from what she was used to. Sure. And, and again, here's a perfect example though of addressing something right away so that that energy can be used in a positive way rather than what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? But there's the physical, there's the spiritual. For some people, they're defined by their religion or even nature for them is spiritual, um, emotional. Uh, you know, sometimes we can pick up on the feelings of others and that's why we're always there and willing to help out. Even if we're, even if we are drained, we're still putting ourselves out there for other people. There's the intellectual as well. So we have all these aspects to who we are. So tapping into that, we begin to see, wait a minute, where's our energy going? What are we getting back from it? And it's not that, it's not that everybody has to reciprocate. It's you just want to know that that time and that energy is being used well, because that's why you don't feel as comfortable or uh, as stable because you know that, hey, wait a minute, what am I, what am I, I'm spinning my wheels here. So it's, it's, and again, we're simplifying it. Sure. But looking at life that way, uh, also looking at what is it that you really enjoy? What, what, what brings you happiness? But also what do you not like to do? Because think about that as well. I, I even, young people but look at how many times we end up doing things over and over and over that we really don't enjoy and there's nothing coming out of that and again we don't mind doing that if we're helping somebody out and we can tell that they appreciate that or it's truly helping them progress but if we're always spinning our wheels that's a lot of energy that that's is. being expended in you know um and I, I know you teach, um, but I don't think, at least when I was growing up, we ever learned how to take care of ourselves, okay? No. We went to school. We had so many classes a day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I talked to friends of mine who went to parochial school, it was even more structured. Uh, I didn't get my hand slapped in the public school system, but I was always waiting for it to be slapped. You know, uh, did I speak out of turn? Am I really sitting in the right chair? Um, I really don't understand what the teacher is talking about, but if I raise my hand, I'm going to interrupt her. She may get mad. I better not. Um, and it's interesting because I struggled all the way through school. And if you would have asked me, when I graduated high school, what have I learned? I learned to get through 12 years of school. And I thought it was going to be that easy when I went to college. <laughs> was I wrong? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I got my associate's degree. 
but it wasn't until my son was graduating high school that I thought it was difficult for me all those years ago. I have to prove to myself I can do this. And so I went back and I got my bachelor's and my master's and it was wonderful because I did it online and so much of it I had to do on my own. I had to learn how to research. I had to learn how to understand, you know, that Google is not a research tool. Uh, <laughs> that was very difficult for me. It was like, <laughs> well, Google says, um, but I still didn't learn how to take care of myself during that time. I was working full time, taking online classes so that I could graduate, get it all done in two years. Um, driving myself crazy, but I did it. Um, and it wasn't until after all that, that I sat back and I said, now, what am I going to do? Who am I? I have a degree. I'm not happy with what I'm doing right now. And I thought about it and really in less than five minutes, it was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to start blogging and I'm going to podcast. And my word is not uh, gospel, but it's my experience. And I will share that with whoever wants to share with me. And it makes a difference. You start to realize who you really are. And I can't fake it like I used to. <laughs> and it's right. so much better that way. Well, but think about the reason why we fake things in the past. It's because we thought that we were supposed to do something a certain way or say something a certain way. So imagine having that, having that awareness as a teenager. My, uh, my seniors, when we would do the uh, college application essay, uh, and, and I, I just want to preface, I'm not throwing shade at my colleagues. So I just want to, but a lot of them would have that essay as a regular type of assignment. And yet with my students, we would work on it for uh, a number of weeks, but intentionally. And it was about going through those questions and, and having the time to write what came to mind to the answer. So they would feel comfortable with which question they wanted to address. And part of the reason why we were going through this process is because it, it, even if they didn't go on to secondary, um, uh, uh, further education, it's one of the most important essays they'll ever write because it's asking them to think about who they were, who they are, and who they want to be. And we had times where we would have teacher-student uh, conferences. Everybody's got you know, puffy red eyes. and But the thing is, is what? came out of that process was truly authentic and truly unique to the writer to be able to look at that. So if we spent some actual time really teaching students how to access their most authentic selves, and by the way, I've asked young people, you know, who are you? And some will turn around and say, well, I don't, I don't know. Of course you don't. You, you know, that makes, it's a valid answer. So be proud to, to answer it that way. 
But then some will say, I, I don't really want to answer that question because I may change it tomorrow or something may happen. And again, that's a profound answer. You're absolutely right. But there's nothing wrong with documenting where you are right now. And in fact, that question, who are you? is something I encourage people of all ages come back to every birthday. Interesting. Just to look at how you've grown and, and what are you looking for moving forward. But, you know, from a young age through adulthood, we're supposed to act a certain way, do things a certain way. And if you go outside that norm, what's wrong with you? Just like creating boundaries or if you work from home, a lot of times people will think that you're easily accessible. Wait Absolutely. Minute, you're, yep. You're, you're still working. And so when you create that boundary, uh, it's not that you don't want to talk to anybody, especially if you're working with other people, you need to be able to show up for your clients or those people that you have conversations with. So it's a different mindset, but that's not how society has more or less uh, shaped us and our thinking. You know, I that is so interesting because my youngest son, um, he's always had this vision of where he wants to be mm -hmm. and he's worked towards it. And, you know, sometimes you can put all that hard work in and the people around you right. uh, aren't going to let you get to where you need to go. <laughs> uh, so about a year ago, he started looking outside of his comfort zone. Yeah. Um, which I never thought I would see him do. And um, he was finding that there were so many other people who appreciated his talents and where he could go with them. And uh, he was getting offers that sadly he had to refuse some because it meant moving out of state at, and not making enough just to move there. Right. Uh, but he finally got uh a good offer and he moved down to the Dallas Fort Worth area and um he is amazed that here he's working with a group of people who want to know what he thinks and for so long he held it in because you know if i say it and you don't like it and um it's like look at all the things i can do he knew he could, but he was holding back. Yeah. And I can see the authentic, you know, how authentic he is. Mm -hmm. um, and yet when he was still living here, he was living at home and we didn't see the growth. Yeah. And the reason we didn't see the growth, he had been with us as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. And I still thought of him as my child yeah and now um yeah in theory he's my child mm -hmm. but he's he's a young man doing a job that he loves he's in a yeah. career that he loves but it took him a long time to get there yeah. and what i tell people is that's okay because it took me a long time to get to where i am yeah no really yeah. Uh, I, and by the way, what you just touched on, so for him to make that, uh, 
for him to make that change, it helps if we take a step back and look at the people that are in our lives. Uh, you're not going, if, if someone wants to lose weight, if someone wants to bulk up, you go to the gym with other people. If doing everything in isolation is not necessarily going to help. Uh, so to motivate you, it helps to be around those same people who share your passions and drive. And so that's something too, by the way, that's that's in the book where it's an exercise of, you know, if we want to also look at the toxicity that we have in our lives or, and as we get older, there are those friends that we still have based on the years of history. But when we have a conversation, it's not, it, it's superficial. It's not a conversation, a dialogue with other people is actually supposed to be a, a much deeper exchange, by the way, which I, which is the reason why I think uh, podcasting is so popular is people really enjoy listening to that because they're not having that uh, in their own lives. So I, I think that's a powerful step that your son made. And by the way, the other thing you mentioned too, and this happens, especially when we're around people that have known us for years, is yes, they see us as we were, not as we are. Right. And I had, you know, my husband and I had to keep reminding ourselves almost on a daily basis, you know, um, you know, he's changed. This is who he is now. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not, you know, that two-year-old or six-year-old or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, it was past time for him to move out. And he knew that. Sure. Um, but what... I'm seeing in him is what I saw in myself when I finally realized, Hey, you know, I've been working jobs that I had to, to put food on the table. Right. My last job, I loved what I did, but hated the culture and the culture is what killed me. Yeah. And I, ha I had to leave. And my fear was, I was the breadwinner. I was making more than my husband at the time. And it was like, how do I go home and say to my husband, right. uh, I'm going to change our life. We're going to, it's going to be topsy turvy. Uh, I can't stand what I'm doing and um, I'm going to try something else, but I haven't started it yet. So, Hey, good <laughs> luck. Um, right. But the funny part was he looked at me and he said, about time yeah i said but how are we going to survive financially he said we'll figure it out but if you come if you're coming home from another job or you're working from home and you are happy wow what a difference and i looked at him and i said i'm not happy when i come home from work yeah. and he goes no you're miserable and he was right um so what I want people to understand is that, and again, when I saw the, your book there, it was like, who are you really? Um, when you start delving in and you can become authentic and you can say to yourself, I'm not putting on ears. This is who I am. Um, love me or hate me. Uh, it's such a relief 
you know, I don't go out purposely to get people to hate me, but it's like, if you don't, if you don't like me, that's, that's okay. Um, And I don't even have to know the reason because it's your choice. But we still have those rigid things going on around us. Right. You know, that are still telling us, um, you know, the best person in the room is who everybody loves. Right. You know, and then you're sitting there going, oh, that group doesn't love me. That group does. What's wrong with me now? Well, by the way, you touch on a few things, though, especially if you're going to change. uh, Once you have a mortgage, once you have children, uh, and again, that's why I, I always more or less preface with we're talking in simplicity, simple terms here. But you can start. You can make progress. And the more that you are able to access who you are internally, there's going to be clarity. There's going to be that question of what if, but you're absolutely right. If, if you at least feel that you're making progress and, there's, and you're happier, oh my goodness, there's so much. Can, when, when my wife and I transitioned from the East Coast to the West Coast, we had professional uh, jobs in the East Coast. We just felt, though, that we were spinning our wheels and really not getting a return on our investment. We, we really just, we wanted to be, do, have, and give more. We weren't sure what that looked like yet, but we just knew. And so it was, uh, it was powerful to have a partner in that. Now, moving to the West Coast, my wife is in food service. What was amazing was it was her time to shine. And four years in, she's an executive sous chef. And she's enjoying what she does. She is in her pocket of genius. This is, this is her time to shine. Sure. Now, had we never moved, she would have never had that opportunity. So now she is uh, acting on her most authentic self. And the other thing, too, is once you are able to access that, and by the way, it's not easy. It's still a day-to-day thing. You're human. Right. But you become aware of what triggers you. You become aware of what distracts you. And you learn to navigate that. So you focus on the things that will help you make progress. And that's where the magic happens. Well, and I think what we're also talking about is something that I was told was wrong growing up and that's regarding failure. You know, my parents, you know, you, you can't fail class. Oh, you can't fail this. Um, You know, you've got to do it. And I remember I have an older brother who back in the day of high school, um, math was not his specialty. Mm -hmm. It's funny that um, he's much better in math as, an 80 year old today than he was <laughs> when he was 16, 17. Um, but he was all, he also was very good in English with words. And eventually my brother became um, a scrabble individual 
and mm -hmm. he started creating Scrabble teams oh, wow. and trips and has written books about Scrabble and the whole bit. He's in his glory. That's what he loves. He loves words. Um, and I remember as a young uh, kid, uh, he's eight, eight years older than me. He would be sitting at the dinner table and say, do you know about, and he'd make up a word. And I would just sit there amazed, like, no, tell me about it. And he'd create a story about it. My parents would be sitting there, stop, stop, you know, you're teasing her. But he he knew who he wanted to be, but right. it just wasn't going to fit in. He right. had to go out and, you know, get his college degree and get a profession and do all the things uh, that so-called society wanted him to do. Right. I, I too, when I went to college, my parents insisted I was going to get a teaching degree. Mm -hmm. I didn't want a teaching degree. Everybody else I knew was getting teaching degrees. Um, I wanted a degree in communications. So without telling them, um, I took all my communication classes in the first two years. Plus, I took my English and my math, and I got my associate's degree. And they pulled me out of college after two years <laughs> because they said in 1970, a woman isn't going to make it in communications, honey. You've wasted our money. Oh, wow. And back then I look back and how many women really were in the media? There mm -hmm. weren't many. However, when I went back and got my degree, my mother was so proud. And she said, are you finally going to use it? And she didn't really understand podcasting at the time, but I told her about it. Mm -hmm. I actually interviewed her and had her on a show. Um, and right before she passed away, she asked me a very important question. Are you famous? I said, I am on my radio show. <laughs> right. right. And that has led me for the last six and a half years to say, if we can't say that about ourselves and what we're doing, then either we're not in the right, on the right path, or maybe we have to give up some of that old baggage that says, Hey, I can't be proud of what I'm doing. So much of what, so much of, of what we have, uh, learned as we've gotten older, as you said, was the construct or the limitations placed on us when we were younger. And young or older, people still go through the same thing all the time. That question, who are you really? Even if you're not asked that specific question worded that way, when you go for a job, one of the first things that you're that, that is said to you in an interview is, tell me about yourself. And think about when you were younger, uh, how that would freak you out, right? How, how much oh, you prepare for that? And all, however, and it sounds silly, and again, it's simplistic, but if you know who you are, you can say that. The other thing too, we need to begin articulating a little bit differently too is, so what do you do for a job? Oh, I'm a teacher. 
okay, you might be a teacher, but how about, what do you do for a job? Oh, well, I, I, I help young people develop a love for literature. Suddenly that changes everything. So it does, yeah. And a lot of that has to do with how we perceive ourselves because there's 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 how we perceive ourselves, there's how others perceive us, and then there's how we think they perceive us. But as you had said, if we're confident with who we are, that won't matter so much. And by the way, people may gravitate to the coolest person in the room, but they also gravitate to the one who's most authentic because they stand more confident in the way that they show up. Absolutely. Yeah. Up until uh, about a month ago, um, both my husband and I uh, had a part-time weekend position. He's an IT specialist. I've Mm. worked in IT. I don't call myself a specialist. Um, But uh, we were both um, Intel reps in different in two different stores. Um, and what that meant when we were in there, we were training the personnel on the latest Intel products. Um, I was supporting them in their sales. Um, so I had to make sure that they had some skill training in sales. Mm-hmm. Um, there was other training that I would provide for them. But for the customer who came in, who absolutely knew nothing about what they wanted, I was the person, I was the go-to person who would ask the questions. Mm -hmm. How would you like to use this? Is this your first computer? Is it your 10th computer? Get that feel. I'm not selling them anything. I'm finding out about them. Right. Well, this position after seven years has gone away. And I really mourned it. And I still am to quite a degree. Yeah, the money was nice. But the best part of it was I was staying on top of my skills, Mm -hmm. but I was providing a service. And, you know, that's really important to me. And that's why I do my podcast. I want to provide some information that, you can take, think about, pull it apart if you need to, whatever it is. And if there's something in there that's of value to you, I'm going to feel pretty good, even if I don't know that. Right. And that's not the way I grew up. Yeah. And yet, I just tell everyone, if you can just find that niche... And maybe you can't do it for your full-time job because of the economy. Right. Find someplace else where you can do it. Right. Right. You need an outlet that is going to be more in alignment with who you are. Agreed. Agreed. But to get to that point, when I work with some people, they they're not willing to acknowledge certain things because it comes so naturally to them. So they don't put that on a resume or they don't mention that as a skill or a strength or an accomplishment. And again, 
I mention this because that's also another exercise that happens to be uh, in the publication. And again, that's part of that whole process of acknowledging who you are. Celebrate that, embrace that. And look, (laughs) I'm no different. We've all gone through the same things where that just comes naturally. I, I'm not going to put that or or you feel a lot of us too don't like to draw a lot of attention to ourselves. We're not looking for a poster, a, a banner. Right. But however, when it comes to a job or a position or finding a client, well, these are things that you can do or that you have done. A lot of other people may not be able to do that. So we need to acknowledge that. And again, at any age, but it's interesting how we sometimes will sabotage ourselves. But again, if you do that search and you are comfortable with who you are, it's easier. So today's teachers don't seem to have the ability and I'm not talking about personal ability, I'm talking about ability of the school districts to introduce some of this information to students. Um, I know when I was growing up, my father was a prolific writer, so were my two brothers. And my writing in comparison was actually pretty poor. And I didn't know how to work on it, because it came so easy to the three of them. I kept assuming it should be easy for me. Um, And I remember asking, I think, I think I was in college when I asked an instructor, how can I learn to write better? And the comment was keep writing over and over again. And don't be afraid of criticism. Because if you could let somebody read and make suggestions or tell you what may be really wrong, and it could be your spelling, and back in the day, I didn't use a computer, um, you're going to get better at it. And I held that very close to my heart because I kept writing. I didn't share my writing with my father, my brothers, I shared it with other people who, hey, if they didn't like it, I could take their criticism. Mm -hmm. And I remember about a year or two before my father passed away, um, I took all my mother's recipes and I created a cookbook, but with the story for each recipe. And once I self-published it, I gave my father a copy of it (laughs) and he looked at me and he said, where did you learn to write like this? I said, you know, it's probably been about 20 years of a lot of crying over what I'm writing. Yeah. I said, but I finally figured it out because somebody said, are you writing just to write or are you writing what you feel? And that cookbook was the beginning for me because I wanted to know those stories. I wanted to share those stories. I wanted somebody to make, you know, the coffee cake 
because the story with that coffee cake like reminded them of something. And so I don't believe that uh, just because we don't do something right the first time or the second time doesn't mean that we can't get to that. But sadly, there's no time in school to allow for that. Well, I can share from experience. Uh, A lot of educators are overwhelmed with what they call a pacing guide. So one of the beauties of online education, uh, and, and I do this with my students, where, okay, if if you don't have time, if you realize you need more time, then we can we can factor that in. It's not about procrastinating and putting it off, but if you've made an effort towards something and, and realized, oh, hey, wait a minute, I need more time. I need, I need to research more or this is taking longer than I thought it would, then it's okay because that focus is specific to that rather than we have to hurry up and we have a marking term ending and we have, so that learning is still there. And, and some might say it's, it's a bit more, uh, th- that students will retain more because of, of that. Uh, but it is a different way to look at it. There's a, a lot of things that, uh, just even day-to-day things, I, I remember when we were younger, I, they taught how to balance a checkbook and you know, <laughs> wash clothes and cook. And and I, I would think that that would still be a necessity today. And yet, and I don't want to speak out of ignorance. I don't know that it's in a lot of schools. As it much as is it used to not be. in a lot of schools. You are right. Yeah. Um, same way that the arts aren't in a lot of schools. But it's interesting you brought that up about the checkbook. Because when my son moved, um, he he has a checking account, but he uses his debit card all the time. Doesn't mm. write checks. Um, and so he got down there and they wanted the deposit for his apartment. And of course he didn't have a check. And he gave them either his credit card or the bank debit card. Nope. No, we need a check or cash or money order. Right. And it was like, like, what can I do? And his bank is not down in Texas. So it wasn't Mm. like he could go to his bank, get the money out. Uh, But he was smart enough to call us and say, (laughs) okay, I know you're on one of my accounts. Could you uh, Western Union me the money? So I was glad that he did that. But then I said to him, have you ever written a check? And he goes, no. And I said, but you would know how to balance a checkbook, correct? He said, well, I know math. And I said, okay, but there's more that goes into it because you have to know about all the extra fees and whatever to add into it. Right. He goes, no, you never taught me. Okay. About a month later, uh, we needed to change his car insurance. He was always on our policy. And he was overwhelmed. 
And I said, and we went over a few things and I said, look, you're in a career where you may not be in the same city and state in a couple of years. You want to find an insurance company that is like nationwide. And so he did that. But after we went through all this, he said, they never taught us any of these daily skills in school. Yeah. And he started to say, you never taught me. And then he said, but I didn't think I needed to know. So I wouldn't have been receptive to you teaching me. Right. So that made me feel a little bit better. But it made me realize how many young people are not prepared. You know, they all know about the plastic cards that they use, and that's all yeah. they know. And so, you know, a little bit of extra teaching. And I think I think we all learn better from somebody outside the family. Right. Right. Family. Well, it was like during it was like during the Y2K period when when more people were using computers. Uh, I would hear all the time uh, that that uh, uh, older folks would have their kids to teach them, but that wouldn't that, that would only go so far because the young people would lose patience. Why don't yes. you do that? <laughs> so we'd have to hear my son or daughter was yelling at me the whole time, um, but you know I, I don't I don't I can't speak to why even as an elective those are not around anymore. But we also, in addition to that practical, we also need the emotional. One of the things that uh, I remember my juniors and seniors, when guidance would come in and they'd be getting ready for the PSATs and the SATs, they'd have to fill out what they're interested in possibly pursuing. And so many of them would look around and go, I don't, what am I, I, I don't even know what's out there. And so I have a study skills course that I teach, and I also have essential study skills, uh, a holistic approach to learning publication as well. And based on the course, the, uh, the publication, even though it's about study skills, it's also about life skills from time management to how we approach things to how we deal with anxiety and stress. But think of how much would be resolved if these things were covered. I mean, there are some teachers who will incorporate that into their teaching. Absolutely. But a lot of times, too, that is going to come from the experience that that teacher has gone through. So one of the great things I had gotten laid off uh, at one point and went into corporate training So when I came back into the academic classroom, I brought that experience to make sure that there were certain things that my students knew, whether it was middle school or high school. Uh, But you don't always have that. Sure. So the more that we can prepare them emotionally, but also having to understand that here's how you can a lot of a lot of students want to go on their own so here's how you can survive this is how you can plan for it 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 would make sense i don't know especially with the way things are today uh and how expensive everything is 
I think it would make, you know, and by the way, coming back to the authenticity for just a moment, I work with a lot of adults who, even prior to COVID, found themselves feeling um, unsettled. And, and as we unpack that, what would happen is, first of all, coming out of high school, they were pushed to make a decision quickly. And then what's also that driving force? A job, money. So all of a sudden, things that may have come naturally but may not have been an interest, all of a sudden, a month becomes a year, becomes three years, and now they're older and they're wondering why they're unhappy. Well, they never had a chance to be a kid or they never had a chance to pursue something that they enjoyed or they've been just driving, driving, driving. Yes, I see that quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and when I look back at my years of growing up, it seemed like we just had more time right. at the end of the day. I don't know. I mean, I know we only have 168 hours in a week, but mm -hmm. somehow uh, when I got home at three o'clock, even though if I had another lesson I was going to go to or whatever, by six o'clock, we were all sitting at the dinner table together as a family. Um, and by seven o'clock, the dishes were probably washed and everything was put away. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was the time either you went and did your homework or maybe you sat and watched TV with the family. Things have changed. We all know that, okay? Uh, a lot of families don't even sit around the dinner table anymore. They all eat when they're available. Uh, right. They don't sit and watch TV programs together uh, because he likes this and she likes that. And <laughs> so everybody has a TV in their room or a computer. <laughs> right. And all of that is fine as long as we can find a way to come back together at some point. Right. and communicate right. and share. Um, and I feel very blessed that my son took this job because before he did, um, he'd come home from work and he'd want to unwind and he'd mm -hmm. end up in his room uh, with the door closed. Well, he's a young adult. I'm not going to go storming in there. Mm -hmm. um, he might've come down at eight or nine o'clock and made his dinner. And there wasn't a lot of great communication yeah. since he has been in Texas. I know more about his life mm -hmm. than I ever did. The communication is incredible. Yeah. Now, part of it is coming out of being a little homesick and I sure. get it. Sure. But the other part is all of a sudden he's realized that mom and dad aren't as stupid as he one thought they were. <laughs> Yeah. So, but he's but he's also more comfortable in who he is as yes, well, absolutely. because we're going to be less apt to want to share with anybody if we feel we haven't made any progress or we haven't accomplished much. Sometimes I bump into, I mean, it's scary that some of my students now are in their thirties, um, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes I may not hear from some, and. I get the sense that 
they need to share that they've done. Just happy to hear from you. Just ha I had I had one student apologize the other day. Had seen something posted on social media, reached out to me. I'm so sorry I was this way when I was younger. I said you're nothing to apologize for. Are you healthy? Are you happy? That's all that matters. Well, with that said, how can my listeners find you, find your book, and, um, you know, maybe find that little bit of happiness they think they're missing? Amen. Uh, I'm a, you can find me at AuthenticEmbassy.com, and that's AuthenticEmbassy.com. The book is available on Amazon, but if you go through the website, it's 40% off from Ooh. free shipping. Yeah. Okay. So, and please be, uh, feel free to reach out to me at any time. Well, this has been a great podcast. Um, oh, thank you. Today has been like a really good morning. Um, mm. And I'm feeling very positive as I'm going to now go help my IT husband on <laughs> a job um, and wear my IT badge for a couple of hours today. But that's something that our listeners need to know is it's okay to do different things in your life. You don't have to, you know, look at one thing and think that's it. Um, right. right. So to everybody out there, I hope you get Ray's book. Who are you really? Um, and we're going to have to have you back, Ray, because I have a number of podcasters like yourself who are really anxious for us all to become authentic. And I'm thinking about putting together a panel and oh, letting wonderful. you all share. And I think it would be phenomenal for my listeners. Well, I would be honored. And by the way, I have to thank you though, because uh, when I was watching some of your podcasts, uh, what I loved most was when I looked at your description on YouTube, you emphasized that need to have a discussion. And that's, that's one thing, I, couples, uh, I encourage that, of course, you need to find that time. Even if, if you, even if you don't have children, you still need to make that time. Uh, my wife and I, for the longest time, every anniversary, we used to fill out this questionnaire so that we, were, we would make sure we would get into that habit of, of taking that time to, to do that. Uh, my younger, uh, my students, uh, those who are especially in the classroom, they do have that opportunity to have a discussion. Although teachers don't always have that because of interruptions sure. and different things, uh, but the more prepared they are, you'll be able to have that. But those who are at home, I try to encourage them even, even 15, 20 minutes Talk to mom or dad about whatever you're covering because that sparks new ideas and allows you to connect even more. Uh, and we're missing that. Whether it's with subject matter or new things that we're learning, we need that connection. We need to have that dialogue. So I just want to thank you for your podcast and well, for what you. you're doing. Well, it makes me feel good when I've reached out to somebody, if I can help you if i can help my listeners hey my day is set yeah have a great one and take thank care bye-bye now you so much appreciate it